Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of Self-Help Witch. Self-Help Witch is all about astrology, self-awareness, and self-actualization. <laughs> I'm Dana. I'm the astrologer behind Self-Help Witch, and I wanted to take some time today to talk about the November 8th full moon lunar eclipse in Taurus. I've been kind of backing off of forecast episodes in the last few months. I've had a lot of amazing interviews that I wanted to share with you all. I've also been really busy just trying to redo my website, get these amazing offerings coming up ready for you that I'm going to be sharing for Black Friday. So there's been a lot going on and frankly forecast episodes, they take a lot of energy and time and I've been like digging deep into 2023's astrology for the things that I've got coming up for you all, but I did want to take a moment to talk about this eclipse, kind of for two reasons. Uh, one, it's sort of a unique eclipse in my mind because of how many other planets are involved. So I wanted to look at it with you. But the other reason I want to talk about the eclipse is because it's just been in my periphery a lot lately. All of these people, not just like official astrologers, but astrology enthusiasts who talk about eclipses or transit astrology in general, like all of it is going to ruin your life. I don't know if this is because I got back on TikTok and I'm seeing like, <laughs> TikTok is like the wild west of everything, but definitely of astrology and opinions about astrology. I just feel like you can say whatever you want and people are like, oh yeah, totally. <laughs> And, you know, the beautiful thing about astrology is there are lots of perspectives. And I'm not saying that there's a right and wrong way to do it, because I totally don't believe that. I think that there are multiple perspectives that are valid when it comes to interpreting astrology. Because astrology is divination. It is about the individual communicating with the divine. So because all of us are different, there are going to be different ways to interpret the symbols that are all valid, even if the way you do it maybe doesn't work for me and vice versa. However, there are some things that are just like <laughs> true and not true, right? And something I really take issue with is the idea that we should be worried about the upcoming astrology. And I'm going to talk more about this in the episode. Like, there are times when it makes sense. Like, I get why you might be concerned about a Pluto transit, right? Like, I understand as someone who's had an intense Pluto transit. However, I think that if we're approaching astrology as a mechanism to fuel our anxiety, it is not doing what it's supposed to be doing. Astrology should help us connect with ourselves and with the present moment. It should facilitate awareness by helping us become aware of the energy. And, you know, I always think about astrology like a weather forecast. You watch the weather to know what's coming. You don't watch the weather to freak out about what's coming. Now, if there is some kind of severe weather coming through, it might worry you. And that's understandable. But the point of you watching it is not to wonder what's going to happen. It's to prepare and take precautions. 
And most of the time, we don't need to take precautions. We just need to know what's coming so that we can be aware of it and notice how it shows up. When we're talking about astrology, we're talking about the energetic weather. So we want to pay attention to how the energetic weather is affecting us and playing out in our lives, which facilitates deeper self-awareness, which helps us live more in alignment with the kind of life we want to live. So I want to orient us in that first. This is a no anxiety, no fear zone. We'll talk more about like eclipse cycles in this episode, but one thing I want you to remember, particularly with eclipses, is everything that's happening with an eclipse was already in motion because it's part of a larger cycle, right? It's never just a static moment in time. So I'm getting ahead of myself because all of this is in the episode. In the meantime, don't forget to like and subscribe. I'm on YouTube. I'm on podcasts. I'm on Instagram. I'm on TikTok. Follow me on TikTok if you don't already. I'm just like flying by the seat of my pants over there making all kinds of stuff. And it's fun. It's mostly fun. It's a little weird. I'm getting used to it. But it's I'm, I'm liking it more than I did the first time I tried it out. You know I'm on Instagram at selfhelpwitch. And then our YouTube is youtube.com slash at selfhelpwitch. And then of course, I'm on all major podcast platforms as well, selfhelpwitch. Okay, let's get into today's talk on the November 8th lunar eclipse. Okay, well, I'm excited to dig into this lunar eclipse in Taurus that's happening November 8th, 2022. It's all about for me at least, the freedom to feel. We're gonna dig into everything that's going on, but before we do that, we'll do a quick refresher on eclipses and how to conceptualize them, and then I'm gonna break down everything that's happening with this particular eclipse. So first of all, if eclipses are new to you or if you kind of forgot the difference between a solar and a lunar eclipse, it's super simple. A solar eclipse is a new moon and a lunar eclipse is a full moon. So with a regular new and full moon, a new moon is a beginning and a full moon is a culmination or an ending. So with a lunar eclipse, we've got a mega full moon. It is a ending of a major chapter. And then with a solar eclipse, we've got the beginning of a major chapter, a mega new moon. Now I put no fear on the slide because I have noticed since, I don't know, studying astrology really, that eclipses tend to bring people out of the woodwork that make it seem like the apocalypse every time. And there has been some really major astrology in the last few years that has warranted a lot of like buzz and excitement. And I don't know, I think sometimes our anxiety or our concern makes sense. But I do want to say that in general, you don't need to be afraid of the eclipses. They are major moments. But what I want you to remember is that like all astrology, um, eclipses are not just static moments in time. Yes, they are like specific moments where the sun and the moon either oppose or are conjunct. But the cycle itself has been going on before and after that particular moment. 
So whatever's beginning or coming to a close, whether we're talking about a solar eclipse or a lunar eclipse, it was already in motion. It was already happening. And that moment of the eclipse is just the kind of landing point. It is the catalyst for whatever's going to happen next, whether that's a new beginning or an ending. So you don't need to worry about it. Rarely are you going to see the effect of the eclipse on the day of the eclipse. Most of the time it's going to unfold over time, which takes me to my next point. It's a lot easier to understand the eclipses when you remember that they are part of a cycle and not just a singular moment in time. So being an English teacher, you know, the book metaphor comes to me first. I want you to think of eclipses as chapters in a novel. So the entire eclipse cycle is like a novel and the individual lunations within those cycles are chapters. And if you're like, what the hell is an eclipse cycle? Essentially, you're going to have a set of eclipses happening along the same zodiacal axis. In this case, we are getting eclipses on the Taurus-Scorpio axis. Those have been happening since 2021, and they will continue until 2023, with some different um, axes coming into play in 2023. But for now, we're just talking about Taurus and Scorpio. So in order to understand this particular eclipse, we want to think about what's already happened. So I've got on the slide, if you're on YouTube, you're, you can see all of the dates that have happened so far. And then if you're listening, I'm going to briefly just share them with you. We had our first lunar eclipse in Taurus in November 2021. We had our first solar eclipse in Taurus on April 30th, 2022. We had a lunar eclipse in Scorpio, May 16th, 2022 a solar eclipse in Scorpio, October 25th, 2022. And then that takes us to the eclipse we're talking about today, which is on November 8th. Now, after that, we'll have two more. We will have a lunar eclipse in Scorpio on May 5th, 2023. And then another lunar eclipse in Taurus on October 28th, 2023. I will put uh, the link to the slides and the YouTube channel in the show notes if you're listening on a podcast platform and you'd like to take a look at those dates as well. So again, think back to what's already happened around those dates. Rarely is whatever's coming through with the eclipse going to happen on the actual date, but it will be around that date. And the other thing I want you to think about is the house axis that's being activated in your birth chart. So for example, I'm a Libra rising and these eclipses are happening on my second and eighth house axis. So that's activating my resources and my shared resources. And since this time, I moved out of a house, I moved into an apartment, I bought a house, my first house ever, and in fact, the solar eclipse on April 30th, 2022, that was 15 days after we closed on our house. And I believe that was like right when we moved in to the house. And that happened in my eighth house. The Taurus is my eighth house of shared resources and debts. So totally makes sense that I would, on a new moon solar eclipse in my eighth house, 
I would sign paperwork to get a house, right? And take on this huge debt, which sounds super scary, but also was really exciting and a really happy time too. So I'm telling you this, one, to give you an idea of how you can start to conceptualize how these eclipses show up for you, but two, to remind you that eclipses are not inherently bad. They bring change, but change is not inherently bad. So take some time before this upcoming eclipse to reflect on the how the eclipses have already shown up for you, and I guarantee you'll feel a lot more grounded going into this one. So let's dig into November 8th's eclipse. It's kind of an interesting one from my point of view because there is a lot of planetary energy involved. And I haven't seen in the eclipses that I've been studying or the ones that have happened recently, so many other planets involved. So in this case, in Scorpio, we've got Venus within four degrees of the sun which means Venus is also opposing the moon and Uranus because the moon and Uranus are conjunct in Taurus. Now, Venus is really important in this eclipse because Venus rules Taurus and that's where the moon is. So we'll talk all about Venus and the role Venus plays in this eclipse. We also wanna acknowledge Mercury's role here because Mercury is within a degree of the sun. So, that means Mercury is also opposing the moon and Uranus and is playing an important role in whatever's culminating in this moment. Of course, we'll also talk about Uranus conjunct the moon. That is almost an exact conjunction and obviously that's playing a big role in how this culmination is gonna be facilitated. And then finally, we'll talk about Saturn. Saturn is, uh, making a T-square to Taurus and Scorpio, so a whole sign square, but then also a, a square by degree to the luminaries. So that's super important, and we're going to dig in to all of it. So let's talk about Venus. Venus is, as I mentioned, the ruler of this eclipse. It rules Taurus, and one important thing we want to think about anytime we're considering the ruler of the place we're discussing is what resources does the ruler have? So in this case, Venus is in Scorpio, the sign of its detriment. If that word is new to you, it's basically just referring to the fact that Venus is in the sign opposite of its home sign. And just like if Venus were a person, right? And Venus was in a place or a, a home, a building, an environment that was totally opposite of its home, it would feel uncomfortable. And that's essentially what's going on with Venus. Scorpio is a sign and an energy that is super deep. It is fearless. It wants to go all the way and it's very intrigued by and magnetized toward transformation. Well, Venus, if we think about just the fact that it rules Taurus, Taurus is the opposite of all of that. Taurus likes stability. It likes to be grounded. It likes the material. It likes to be present. So obviously, as these signs are the opposite of each other, they are opposite in many ways. And so when you have Venus in Scorpio, what you have is a Venus who one doesn't have access to those resources that she would have in Taurus, but also you've got a Venus that has a Scorpio vibe. 
And that's not inherently bad. I know that the word detriment, like, absolutely has a negative connotation, but Venus and Scorpio does have strengths. It's very deep, just like Scorpio. It wants to go deep. And when we're thinking about what Venus signifies, harmony, aesthetics, relating, this is a Venus that is not superficial at all, right? It wants to have a deep, meaningful connection. It's very in touch with feelings and almost maybe to a fault, right? Because it feels so deeply. So that's the kind of Venus we're dealing with. And that's the Venus that is hosting the moon, Uranus, and the North Node. Now, the other thing we have to acknowledge is the moon in Taurus is exalted. So you could use context clues, right? If you didn't, if you're not familiar with that term, if something's exalted, it's lifted up. And the moon is lifted up in Taurus. Because the moon is all about the material, it's about needs, and Taurus is so stable, right? So the moon feels amazing in Taurus. And with an exalted moon, that's going to give us the capacity to tap into those deep feelings Venus is bringing up. Not only that, but Uranus in the mix is helping us break free of anything that is feeling really stifling. So what you've got here is Venus taking us to the depths of our emotions, the depths of what we need, and the moon is helping us really connect to whatever that is. So we've got a really good situation, a really good energetic setup for understanding our needs in relationship. Hey, I hope you're enjoying today's talk. I'm jumping in to let you know I made a free resource for reading your birth chart called the Birth Chart Blueprint. This PDF guide is going to break down exactly how to read your birth chart in a simple three-step framework. And it's the same framework I use for reading charts for clients. It also includes several pages of reference material from understanding the planets, signs, and houses, to planetary dignity, to even tutorials for what you're looking at when you're looking at a birth chart and then how to pull your chart yourself. So even if you have been studying astrology, this is a really helpful framework that can give you a simple guideline to follow each time you read a chart. And then you never have to Google the planet signs and houses again, because good God, having a million tabs up while you're trying to figure out what a birth chart means is so annoying. So you can get all of that in this one guide here, the birth chart blueprint. You can get it right now for free at selfhelpwitch.com slash BC blueprint. Go grab it. Now we talked about the exalted moon a little bit already, but let's just keep in mind that the moon is our needs. It is the material. It is the present, just like Taurus. And it is our felt experience and emotions. So with Uranus here, what that's helping us do is break free from things that are not serving our needs anymore. So I see Venus hosting everything that's happening in Uranus as kind of giving us whatever's not working. And then Uranus is here to say, all right, we're not doing that anymore. We're reaching a tipping point with our needs. 
And Uranus is helping us to stop holding back when it comes to asking for what we need so that we're able to break free of those old patterns and find new ways of relating and asserting our needs. This is super helpful. <laughs> and this is why I say, like, don't get caught up in the, the word detriment with Venus because with Venus in detriment, Yes, it might feel uncomfortable to go there, to go deep, to look at what we're afraid of, especially in our relationships. That can be really uncomfortable. But what I see in this particular setup is what that's helping us do is break free from things that are not serving our needs, particularly in relationships. So this is really great energy for breaking out of ruts that are not serving our relationships, that don't feel good anymore, and getting back in alignment with what our needs really are. So let's talk about Mercury. Mercury is conjunct the sun during the eclipse within a degree. This is giving us the ability to express what's coming up and I would say not just the ability to, but the necessity to, because all of this is in Scorpio. Mercury's in Scorpio, the sun is in Scorpio, Venus is in Scorpio. So Mercury in Scorpio is serious conversation. It is, again, not superficial. It wants to go deep. It wants to cut to the root of things, and it's not going to hold back. So this is giving us what we need to have a hard conversation and because we're dealing with an opposition between everything in Scorpio and everything in Taurus, it's like this tipping point, this, this moment where we're being stretched to, to full capacity. And if we don't talk about it now, something is going to break. So we're kind of faced with a choice during this time. Do we acknowledge what's going on with us, what our needs are? particularly in relationship, or do we avoid it, ignore it, and then something breaks? That's what Uranus can do. It can help us break free or it can help us break down. So we really want to be tapping in to what all of this Scorpio energy is bringing up for us and then use that Scorpio energy to not be afraid to say what's going on. And the moon is helping us with that as well. Now, the final thing, and honestly, there's more we could say about this eclipse, but I think the last thing I'm going to say today is regarding Saturn. So Saturn's in what we call a T-square. It's in a whole sign square to Scorpio and Taurus, but it is also um, in a degree-based square with the luminaries. So what does that mean? Well, squares agitate. They bring things to the surface. It doesn't feel easy <laughs> with a square. It, it's tense, but it, it serves a purpose of creating the friction needed for growth. And if we think about Saturn and what Saturn signifies, Saturn is maturity. Saturn is also separation, responsibility. And the experience of a Saturn transit can be feeling like an outsider. So my take here is that Saturn is forcing us to grow up when it comes to saying what we need. There might be a feeling right now of 
feeling like you're not really a part of your relationships, like you're somehow separate from them. And that makes a lot of sense if you're not communicating what you need or you're not in touch with what you need. When you're not in touch with what you need and what like is going on with you emotionally and things like that, you tend to feel almost like an observer in your life, like you're on the outside looking in and you're kind of just playing a part. And that's basically what you're doing when you're not being honest with yourself about how you're feeling. So it feels like this is a moment of reckoning with realizing, am I going to just like play a role in my life? Am I going to Am I going to play a part or am I going to actually be in my life? Am I going to say what's important to me in my relationships or am I just going to do what's easy? Saturn is helping us step up to the plate. It's helping us grow up a little bit in terms of communicating what we need. And again, it, it probably is not going to feel super easy, but what it is going to do is take us to a new level. It's going to force us through some kind of like tight tunnel, right? Because Saturn is constricting. So it might feel really tight there for a minute to have to go through these kind of challenging conversations and to really reckon with yourself, what's actually going on here with me? What do I really need? And this might actually be coming from a partner or someone else, right? Someone might be coming to you and saying, hey, I'm not getting what I need. But either way, we're being asked to handle it responsibly, to grow up a little bit and be mature about it. And what that means is listening and actually being um, available to what's true in the moment so that we can grow from there. And again, we have the choice. We can, we can be present for what's happening. We can acknowledge what's happening and we can then grow from it. That would be like the best case scenario. Or we can become afraid of it and we can ignore it. And then whatever we're ignoring is going to cause a breakdown. And of course, there's all kinds of things that could happen in between. But the key is to be present for what's coming up. And when you are, you're going to be able to you have the energy behind this moment to to face the moment head on, to face whatever it is head on. And once you do, you're going to be in a position to feel some freedom that you haven't been able to feel thus far. So overall takeaways here, this is a moment of growth in our relationships and how we share what we need. So it is a moment of sharing what we need so that we can grow. It's about breaking free from outdated dynamics and communicating is going to be super important in all of this. Really the key to that freedom that we keep talking about is communication, is naming the thing, is becoming aware of your thoughts. So it can be as simple as journaling, right? It may not I think it probably will involve other people just because Venus is so involved, but maybe this is more about you and how you relate to yourself. In that case, maybe you're journaling, but the key is to name it. Get mercurial with it, write it down, speak it out, and put it into words. The other key item that I would say is tuning into your felt experience. We've got that exalted moon, it's here to help. 
And when we do that, we're going to be able to use that Uranian energy for its highest good and just break free of things that aren't working for us anymore. We will know from a felt experience what to do next. So that is the November 8th lunar eclipse in Taurus. I'm excited to see what happens. I would love to hear from you if you've noticed what's been going on for you in the last few eclipses and you want to share that with me. I would love to hear your stories. In the meantime, don't forget to subscribe. I'm on YouTube at Self Help Witch. I'm on Instagram and TikTok at Self Help Witch. And then of course I have my podcast also called Self Help Witch. Also, I do have a really cool free guide for how to read your birth chart. It's called the Birth Chart Blueprint. And in it, I have a reference for all of um, the planets, the keywords, the houses, dignities, all kinds of stuff for going deep with your birth chart. And then I have my three steps for reading your birth chart as well. These can be applied to reading other people's charts too. So if you want to get into reading charts and you're not really sure where to start, or you'd like a framework to follow, you can grab that free guide at selfhelpwitch.com slash bcblueprint, and you can get it right now for free. So I hope that you have an incredible eclipse, that you take it easy, and lots of freedom and freeing energy comes your way. In the meantime, I love you. Keep going. Goodbye.